deli is really a multi-sensory experience. You know, you can imagine when you walk in, the sights, the sounds, the clattering of dishes, the steam rising over the deli counter, the smell, the pungent smell, the pained look on the waiter's face when you ask for a substitution, the brushing against shoulders, the lineup, the crowd, the heat, the cacophony of sounds in there. We really wanted to try to capture all those things. And so we tried to do all different kinds of things the best way that an exhibition can in order to do that. Hi, and welcome to The Big Schmear, the podcast celebrating Jewish food, culture, and history. I'm your host, Beth Schenker. I've been thinking a lot about Jewish delis lately. In March, I sat in on the deli session during the Great Big Jewish Food Fest, and most recently, I've seen posts about the precarious future of a Chicago family favorite deli, Manny's. Over the years, there's been lots of stories about Jewish delis, reimagined Jewish delis, old traditional Jewish delis, new traditional Jewish delis. So I decided to search out an expert to have her share what she knows about Jewish delis with all of us. My guest today is Laura Rabinovich, a writer and specialist in food culture and immigrant history. She's done lots of interesting work that you may have come across, some of which we'll talk about today, including her work on a new Jewish deli exhibition. Her writings have appeared in the LA Times, the Globe and Mail, and many other media outlets. Hi, Laura. Welcome to The Big Schmear. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you about my favorite Jewish food, delis. I don't think you're alone in that. (laughs) I don't think I am either. Love affair. Exactly. So I'll start out by asking you, I know that you've studied and written a lot about this kind of Jewish food and the history of Jewish food, but what was it specifically that appealed to you or inspired you to delve into Jewish delis? It's a bit of a long story as these things go. I have an academic background. So I come at this through a PhD in Jewish history, which I completed at New York University almost 10 years ago. And so I focused on Jewish immigration and food ways there, the history of food culture and and, uh, immigration. So I was on that path, and I'm a Canadian uh, citizen. I, I grew up in Canada, and... I grew up with stories of these Romanian ancestors that I had, and uh, I grew up eating smoked meat and a particular kind of Jewish deli known as smoked meat, and that was a Montreal-style Jewish deli, and all those different threads conflated when I was in graduate school, and I was not learning a lot about the Romanian Jewish experience, and so... I wanted to understand more about that and about that particular food experience, which I knew in a very anecdotal way was perhaps Romanian in origin, the smoked meat deli. And, you know, maybe you've heard of some of the famous delis in Montreal, Schwartz's very famous, Snowden Deli and some of the others. So I, I said to my advisor, you know, I want to talk to you about Romania. And he said to me, I've been waiting 20 years for somebody to say that. Mm, Wow. (laughs) So 
you know, I grew up with these stories of, it wasn't only deli, it was sort of other Romanian style restaurants in Montreal, like Moishe's, and where uh, it's a steakhouse, a Romanian steakhouse, a Romanian Jewish steakhouse. Um, and I had heard of my ancestors who had come before me, my great grandparents and grandparents who had gone there and had these meals there and eaten this Romanian food. And, and Moishe's is still there today. Uh, it's not quite as Romanian in flavor. Some of the Romanian foods are not on the menu anymore, but it still has some Romanian flavors there. And there used to be dancing and smoke in the air and, and this kind of real, and a, a Romanian menu, really. I wanted to know more about that and why Montreal had this kind of Romanian imprint, and especially in the culinary sphere. So I set out to study that and why Romanian Jews in particular had this kind of connection to meat and smoked meats. And it kind of began there. And then while I was studying that aspect of it from the perspective of Montreal, I also realized that there was a large community of Romanian Jews that had come to New York also in the early 20th century and that they had established this community in Manhattan, especially in lower Manhattan, that was also oriented around food and restaurants and meat and wine. So I really sought out to study that. And then in the course of that research, I, I realized that what we know of as pastrami is a Romanian dish in origin. And so the sort of hallmark food of Jewish deli is a Romanian staple. And it's still something, a version of it is still something that you see in Romania today. But the Romanian Jewish version of it uh, is something that you see in Jewish delis across North America, uh, or I should say across the United States and, and Canada today in Jewish Delhi. So that's a really long way of answering uh, your question. And so basically that kind of that kind of academic research on Jewish culture and foodways and Romanian Jews in particular led me to have a kind of more generalized interest in, in the origins of Jewish Delhi. Well, I think that was a great story because I, I mean, for one thing, what a fun piece of academic work. I mean, it just, uh, it sounds like, wow, why didn't I think of doing something like that? So that's one, one thing that just came to mind right off, right off the top of my head. The other thing is, I have not, I have to admit, I've not thought about Jewish delis, smoked meat, and Romanian culture as all part of the same story. So that's already really interesting to me. And so I wonder if you could just give us a short deli history lesson, really short, knowing you'd leave out a lot of important stuff, yeah. but, but um, just to kind of give us, put, put us all on the same page about thinking about delis in, in North America. Right. So I don't want to give people the wrong idea that deli is entirely a Romanian, uh, like a Romanian institution in and of itself, Jewish deli. So Jewish deli, as opposed to German delicatessen mm -hmm. in the United States um, or in Canada, for that matter, which I think for these purposes are 
one and the same. So just to distinguish between German delicatessen and Jewish deli sure. or Jewish delicatessen, you know, the German delicatessen, and I think they're related. I mean, it's an antis- the German delicatessen is an antecedent of the Jewish deli and has its origins in the German delicatessen. The German delicatessen shops were kind of specialty shops that Germans and German Jews or Jews that came from Germanic lands um, in the mid-19th century opened or German immigrants opened um, is throughout the United States and in New York, if we're considering New York as sort of the epicenter of Jewish deli. Mm-hmm. And these were sort of specialty shops that specialized in, uh, the, the word delicatessen means in German a, a shop for or delicious uh, uh, delicious things to eat or a place to to buy delicious things um and so so these were shops where you could purchase cured meat was a central to these shops and as were other sort of takeaway items these were not restaurants uh, or places where you could sit down and really have a meal and these came with the wave of migration from germanic lands in the 19th century especially the mid and late 19th century. So this is distinguished from the later migration of predominantly and much larger migration of Eastern European Jews that arrived in North America at the turn of the 20th century, and in particular, the early 20th century. So this is really when we begin to see Jewish delis, which were more like restaurants or little counters, lunch shops. And these were more are look more like what we think of when we think of Jewish delis today, where you could eat sandwiches and um, the cured meats might be the only holdover from the German delicatessen. But the Jewish deli had a lot more variety of foods available in time, and these had more foods from the amorphous place known as the old country. Um, so. You know, eventually with time, these, you know, these were immigrant restaurants and eventually they had elements from disparate parts of the Russian Empire or different parts of Eastern or Central Europe and had more of a Jewish element to them, a distinctively Jewish element. They were immigrant restaurants at first. So these were often Jewish delis. Now they are very much part of the urban American landscape. They are beloved by all kinds of people, but in the early days of Jewish Delhi in the early 20th century and by the mid-century in particular, they were, in the beginning, they were much more of an immigrant restaurant. By the mid-century, they were, in New York in particular, uh, beginning to become more a part of the mainstream, especially as there was a big connection to the theater, and they were um, sort of much more glamorous and a big part of that scene. These restaurants really celebrated the abundance of meat in the United States. Um, They coincided with the expansion or the territorial expansion, for better or for worse, the sort of politics aside of the West. Um, And this was in contrast to most of Europe, which was uh, where meat was scarce. And for most especially Central and Eastern European Jews, meat was something that was enjoyed at most once a week, if, if anything, and certainly not to the extent that would have been possible in a Jewish delicatessen in, in the early mid-century in, in New York. So these were Jewish delis were places that really celebrated meat. And 
the kind of meat that we're talking about in these early Jewish delis were is fermented and cured meat again. And fermentation is a huge part of the history of Jewish deli because, of course, this was a time before the kind of refrigeration and preservation that we have today. Um, so everything in the Jewish deli in the early days was on some level fermented or cured. Everything from the pickles to the cured meats, the sausages, the mustard, uh, uh, the herring, the, everything that you were eating uh, had some kind of version of fermentation or preservation so that it could be enjoyed or preserved for, for longer than or salted for longer than, you know, to extend the period of life of the food. So, you know, in time, the Jewish deli changed dramatically as it became, you know, a huge part of American pop culture. Um, and it, it, the menu expanded and all kinds of other changes. But in the early days, there was a big connection to labor activism as part of the immigrant experience. Um, many of the uh, early delis were connected to the uh, unions and there were deli unions and other political activism among the Jewish delis um, and elements of different parts of Eastern and Central Europe became incorporated into the menu and into the culture of Jewish deli, which expanded them beyond the much more strictly German culture of the German delicatessen shop that we saw in the mid to late 19th century in the United States. And this really goes with the really massive expansion of Jewish life in North America that came with the with the colossal Jewish immigration of the of the 20s of the early 20th century during the great migration. So so that's sort of the early history of Jewish deli if you will. And so clearly the deli played a central role in in many ways to Jewish culture within those areas of the country where you could where you could find them. I mean that was what made it work. It was the food, but it was also all these other connections that it had to the community, the larger community, and also the local, just within a few blocks kind of community. So how would you describe Jewish delis today in, in terms of the role they play or not in Jewish culture and what, what they represent now in Jewish culture? Well, I mean, I think between that time of the sort of being an immigrant or niche restaurant and now Jewish Deli played a huge role in the development of American pop culture. You know, everything from the Woody Allen and Seinfeld and Nora Ephron when Harry met Sally and to, you know, Marvelous Miss Maisel and now, you know, Action Bronson and Maddie Matheson and all kinds of other um, people. So Deli and all kinds of other earlier films and less Jewish-themed films as well. Uh, in one of the recent Transformers films, it's, there's a deli scene and Donnie Brasco. Um, so, I mean, the imprint of deli on American popular culture beyond Jewish culture has just been tremendous. I think that no one would argue uh, against the idea that Delhi is part of the identity of New York City mm -hmm. on a whole, and iconic for New York City on a whole, um, even though many of the delis have closed. Um, so I think that um, 
I think that Jewish deli has become, this is what I mean when it's become part of the landscape of American culture. I think for, in terms of Jewish culture, I think that deli has come to, many um, Jewish organizations or Jewish communal organizations, I don't think they count food as a way of, as a form of identification, but they probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for many Jews, food is the only form of identification left. And I think it's the last thing to go for many that are secular for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, and deli is, even though there were many other kinds of Jewish restaurants, deli, for whatever reason, has been the most popular and it still remains the most popular. Even now there are many, you know, artisanal Jewish delis that have opened and it continues to be, although perhaps that's changing in the past few years, but it continues to be a popular form for chefs to experiment within Jewish chefs in particular, although that's changing as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We're seeing non-Jewish chefs open Jewish delis, but I think all different things are happening with deli and Jewish culture, but I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, no, it does. Uh, and I was going to ask you about two two questions that came up in my mind while you were talking about this. And one is, do you think some of those changes are good or not? Uh, maybe I'll start with that. So in terms of the artisanal delis, these reinvented delis, is that a good thing? Is it taking us off the path? Is it keeping us on the path somehow? Or what do you think? Well, I think there's always, I mean, we think of deli as being, as being stagnant and as being a, 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 a pillar of tradition. But I think that the, the actual history of deli is always changing. Um, and even though people look to deli for a deep source of comfort and for, or, you know, a real source of tradition, and I think to a certain extent that's true. But I think that deli, if you look at deli closely, you know, as I have for this exhibition we're working on, at the Skirball Center in LA, you know, we spent a long time working on that with my co-curators, and we just kept coming across the, the historical reality that the history of Delhi is a history of change and adaptation. One of the biggest changes that you see in the history of Delhi is the incorporation of dairy, for example. So today, when you walk into a Delhi, and this is something you'll see even in the mid-century, is the idea that you can go to a deli and get a bagel, lox, and cream cheese. Or have or finish your deli meal with a cherry cheesecake or strawberry cheesecake. We want my one of my co-curators in the, in the exhibition. She found a deli menu from the mid-century, one of the theater mid-century uh, theater. I forgot if it was. I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to be inaccurate. But one of the big delis in New York in the mid-century, very well known, and I. I looked at it on the first time and there were like ham sandwiches on the menu. <laughs> and I yeah. said, Oh, this is not a deli. You guys need to, you know, do look again. This isn't, we shouldn't include this menu. And the truth is, no, it, it was one of the most well-known delis at the time. And that this particular deli and the deli man behind the deli was known for creating these, these fun sandwiches out of his deli counter. And some of them had these strange, like these concoctions, and some of them were very trace. Right, not exactly kosher. (laughs) Yeah, and there was a market for it. 
And perhaps it was because non-Jews also frequented the deli or perhaps the reverse. Perhaps it was Jews looking for the ham sandwiches. Mm -hmm. But either way, perhaps it was within the comfort of a Jewish restaurant that people felt more comfortable eating knowing that it was there and as an option. I don't know. I mean, there's certainly Jewish delis today that have ham sandwiches on the menu as well for whatever reason. Right. So I think that there, there's all kinds of other ways that delis, it's not just culinarily. There's other ways that delis change. They move to the suburbs. They expand their physical size. They take things off their menu that are part of their menus for decades. They change owners. They change locations. They close. <laughs> uh you know, all different things. Sure. So so I think that, that there's always different things happening in the history of Delhi. And in terms of the artisanal, the newer delis that are opening, I think any kind of experimentation is wonderful. I think any kind of dynamicism in the, in the world of Delhi is great. You know, David Sachs wrote this book, Save the Delhi, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a wonderful book. And I think as he was writing it and as he was doing the research, many delis had already closed. Many of the historic delis had closed. But as it came out, Many delis, many of these artisanal delis were opening. And it's exciting. a new kind of, yeah, a new generation of delis opened. And we're way past the the golden era of delis, which was, you know, in the in the um, late mid-century, post-war period, when there were thousands probably of delis across the United States or across North America. But today so many of the of the great delis have closed and are still continuing to close but perhaps now we have i don't know i i wasn't there i didn't try those foods at the turn at the you know in that period i wasn't alive but maybe these newer delis the the newer artisanal delis uh are better quality even if we have less quantity i don't know because i think that these delis places like uh, Wyson and Myland and Wexler's in Los Angeles, Kenny and Zooks and uh, Beetroot in Portland that just opened and Ziggy's in Houston mm-hmm. and they're all over the country now. They are doing things in a way that I'm not even sure their grandparents were doing things in those ways. I mean, they are doing things in ways that I'm not even that, you know, are really, really old school. Like they work very, very hard to create foods and use methods of truly artisanal methods of creating food. But most Jewish delis do not make their own pastrami, for example. They are using commercial pastrami that has nitrates and chemicals that creates a perfect product. That is not even hand sliced; it's machine sliced. Those, mm-hmm. those new artisanal delis. What it means is that they are truly, you know, curing their own meats and hand slicing and hand and smoking on site, and you know, all those things take physical labor. And there's a generation of bagel rolling generation of they're also doing it their own way and and literally hand rolling bagels. And that is also something that hasn't been done for at least a couple of generations. So in most places, and with that is also artisanal locks, you know, and, and smoking locks. And these are certainly, you know, it's, it's harder to sustain those practices and, and enjoy them on a larger scale. And also it's a model that is economically hard to support on a large scale. So I really, it gets into a larger conversation, sure. you know, about the restaurant industry on a whole right now. Yes. But I think, you know, 
if there's a market for it, I certainly think it's a wonderful direction for restaurants and for deli in general. I think it's a, it's a wonderful direction to, for survival. Yeah, that's great. Any way for them to continue to survive and thrive is important. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about this exhibition that we hope will sure. open soon. But before that, we're talking about all this great food. So I want to know, what is your go-to deli favorite? Like when you go into your favorite deli, what do you order? I just have to know this. <laughs> okay, well, I'll just give some names of places that I love. I love Langer's in Los Angeles. I think that the bread, I mean, it's funny because I have certain favorites at different places. Of course. So I love the bread at, yeah, I love the bread at Langer's. Uh-huh. Um, the bread at Langer's, I mean, I love the pastrami at Langer's too, but the bread at Langer's will ruin you for life because <laughs> once you taste the bread there, they have it baked specially for them and then they bake it on, they, they double bake it. So they bake it, um, the second time on site. Uh-huh. Um, so it's super fresh and most rye bread at delis these days, even the newer artisanal delis, most delis. The rye bread is really, for lack of a better word, it's a shanda. It's a shame <laughs> because, I, again, I, I wasn't, I don't know really what the old country bread ever tasted like, but I imagine it tasted something like what you get at Langer's because it has a true crust that sort of crackles and it has a real taste of rye and also caraway seed mm. in it and so you really get a flavor of that bread and also the texture it just it really has like a bready taste i think most delis don't really think about the bread they just think about the meat and it's a sandwich you know you yes. really think think about the bread <laughs> so um the bread at langer's is just outstanding and the meat is wonderful the pastrami there is wonderful but like i said at the outset of this conversation i'm a many generation montrealer so i my heart is really with smoked meat uh-huh. um so you know i have to really give a shout out i grew up really with snow to deli and, and schwartz's in montreal you know there's smoked meat and also i don't know if this is a romanian thing or what but the french fry or i think it's probably more of a quebecois thing but french fries in montreal are just outstanding almost everywhere they're fresh cut and they're just really good and Mm. and they all make their fries homemade in-house and it's very hard to find really good fries in in delis otherwise outside of montreal i find so the experience on the whole in in delis in montreal is just really good because you get i mean just the full the full experience the full calorie the full caloric (laughs) experience of fresh cut fries smoked meat you know so, you know, those are places that I really love. Otherwise, I, you know, I wish I, I, I wish I could say that I've traveled the country and experienced, I really want to go to Houston and I really want to try Ziggy's. Oh, yeah. Uh, because <laughs> I He's think, one of a sorry, kind. Kenny and Ziggy's. I think it's called Kenny and Ziggy's. Yeah. He's, from what I understand, like he's really cooking a lot of food that, Besides deli, I mean, I'm sure his deli is wonderful too, but he's like making all this other food like cabbage rolls and kreplach and just all these other old Jewish foods from scratch that not many restaurateurs or deli people are doing these days. So I, I, I really want to try that food. And I, you know, that sounds, that, that sounds really exciting to me. Also in LA, Wessler's smoked fish is, is wonderful. So I, I love that too. That's, that's probably going to be a good 
a good starting place, right? Yes, it does. You've hit all over the country, all over the continent, actually. And for people who are now, because now they're really thinking they have to eat deli right this minute, they can go, you know, online and order some of those kinds of things and have them shipped to the privacy of their own home yes which is yeah i think gold belly is is shipping some of that stuff it they're shipping a lot of that stuff yes they are yeah so before we close i want to just talk just a little bit about this exhibition that you're co-curating and so um for people who are curious this exhibition will be at the skirball cultural center in los angeles and i think the title is like the best ever exhibition (laughs) title it's called I'll have what she's having, the Jewish deli, which is clearly a reference to that great film scene taking place in a Jewish deli in the film When Harry Met Sally. So that's already like a showstopper, I think. Can you tell us a little bit about that co-curating experience and, and some of the important things that you need, you and your team, needed to think about to put this exhibition together, knowing that it's not just Jewish people who are going to be attending this. And, of course, people take away different things from their own experience, but I'm sure you had to think about the big picture. And so what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. The mission of the Squirrelball Center is to welcome the stranger. So absolutely, the exhibition was born at the Squirrelball Center with that in mind. And it was been three years in the making, and I co-curated it with, Kate Thurston and Laura Mart, who both work at the Skirball Center and have have curated all kinds of exhibitions there. Perhaps most notably, they co-curated the exhibition Notorious RBG that was also born at the Skirball Culture Center two years ago and then went on to travel the country. So if you can think of that exhibition, that kind of speaks to the bit of the vibe that kind of informs the all have what she's having vibe that we have. So Kate and Laura approached me a few years ago and said, you know, we want to do the study exhibition. I had been, I had been working on Skirball, um, doing different kinds of programming and adult education around food and, and immigration there. So uh, this is a national exhibition. So it really covers the history of Jewish deli um, and the culture of Jewish deli across the United States and from the inception of Jewish deli. And so there is a section on Los Angeles, but it fits into the larger history of Jewish Delhi. So the idea is that this exhibition will really cover the history of Jewish Delhi. There has never been an exhibition of this scale, or I'm not really sure of any Jewish Delhi exhibition on any really large scale at all. So we really wanted to catalog the whole aesthetic of Jewish Delhi, as well as the history of Jewish Delhi, because we see it as not just a place to eat, but just having so much more meaning in American culture. And so we wanted to capture that. The exhibition itself, tell the history of, of the Jewish deli, many of the things that I've referenced um, in this conversation with you, but you know, then we also go into that aesthetic of deli culture that I was that I was mentioning and, and continue to tell that history, you know, through large scale neon signs, tiny matchbooks, (laughs) carving knives, all kinds of kitchen paraphernalia, aprons, hats. These are all original items, archival materials, vinyl booths. um, Oh, wow. Menus, I'm guessing. Yeah. Menus, many menus. I think we have a sausage, a sausage um, maker, 
that we got we photograph all kinds of photographs, historic photographs, build outs, all kinds of um, a deli counter that we built mm. that people can an interactive component of the exhibition because you know we are an educational institution, so we wanted people to be able to be a part of the exhibition in their own way. A part of the exhibition where people will be able to give their favorite deli order. Um, <laughs> you know, as we were putting together the exhibition and over many, many different kinds of conversations that we've had over the over the past couple of years, people always tell us or share with us a memory, their own deli memories, because memory is such an important part of deli. And so we wanted to have a, a place where people could share their own memories and we could catalog that as well. And and we have um, you know, some of the delis, especially in New York, had um also stand-up comedy and so we have original recordings of that that were on vinyl so you've oh. got booths where you can hear that and then deli is really a multi-sensory experience you know you can imagine when you walk into a deli if you can remember um <laughs> you know the whole multi-sensory experience that kind of attacks your whole the sights the sounds the the clattering of dishes the the steam rising over the deli counter, the smell, the pungent smell, the pained look on the waiter's face when you <laughs> ask for a substitution, the, the brushing against shoulders, the lineup, the crowd, the heat, the cacophony of sounds in there. We really wanted to try to capture all those things. And so we're, we tried to do all different kinds of things uh, the best way that an exhibition can in order to do that. Um, and of course, now we have the added element of, of doing that within social distancing and pandemic safe measures. So fortunately, the hall that it's being hosted in at Skirball is quite large and, you know, the museum is being outfitted sure. to be safe for all that. And the museum's not open yet, but when it is safe to do so, it will be, you know, with all those safety measures in mind. But, um, you know, we really wanted to catalog all of that and capture that in one kind of place in a way that it that it never has been. So we're hoping that the uh, that the uh, exhibition uh, opens soon. And um, then we're hoping that it will travel the country after that in, I guess, in future years. And I'm really I'm really excited for for visitors to get a chance to see it. It just sounds so amazing and so thoughtfully put together. And um, so I will, I just will let people know that there is a behind the scenes kind of discussion from the co-curators online. If you want to go to the Skirball website, which... So if you go to Skirball, that's S-K-I-R-B-A-L-L dot org. And then um, actually, if you just, probably just easiest just to go to skirtball.org and then you could probably just find it from there it's right on the home page i'll have what she's having the jewish deli perfect well thank you thanks for sharing that and more importantly laura i just want to thank you so much for being my guest today and taking the time to talk with me about one of my favorite kinds of foods the jewish deli and um, as you pointed out other people share that love too it's really been fun talking with you and you've really given us all good things to think about and learn about in regard to deli food. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My recording and mix engineer is Steve Robinson. The Big Schmear theme music is performed by Cavatina Duo from their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. If you like The Big Schmear, please don't forget to subscribe to my podcast, follow my Instagram account at Beth the Jewish Foodie, 
and write a review or share a like on my Facebook group page. And please do tell your friends to listen. It's the best way for my podcast to continue to grow. If you have comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. Please email me at beth at thebigschmear.com. And be sure to check out my website, thebigschmear.com, to find recipes shared by my guests. I'm Beth Schenker, the host of The Big Schmear. Thank you for listening and happy eating. <laughs>